We're so glad you're here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and we would love for you to get connected to what's going on here at our church and in our community. A couple ways to do that is to go to the website, riverbendonline.org, fill out a connection card, download the app. Also, you can join us through social media, both on Facebook and Instagram. And the last way, the last way you can do that is to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, e-newsletter called Riverbend News. And and the reason why I mention these things is because it's so important that you know we want to ensure you're relationally connected with what's going on here. It's important to us. Uh, as much as we value what goes on on a Sunday morning, we, only know, we know that's only one part of what we're doing. So we're glad you're here with us. We hope you connect with us in other ways throughout the week as well. And today we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Defining Moments, Making the Time count. And as we're in this series, it's really based off Hebrews chapter 11, and we're continuing to journey through the book of Hebrews, but we're doing different teaching series through this this book. So right now we're going to be in the finding moments, Hebrews 11, and then after this, in three weeks, we'll kick off a brand new series on Easter Sunday called Run Your Race, based off Hebrews 12 and 13. And so we are just thankful for the opportunity to not only gather together, but to journey with one another, and to really think about this idea of defining moments and making the time count. And one of my favorite stories from 2021 is the story involving these two men. And one of them, you probably know, the other you have no clue who who it is, but the the one guy is Jimmy Fallon, and he has a show, uh, The the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, you know, and as he has the show, I've actually been able to go on occasion to the show, and man, it's so fun and awesome. But one of the things you appreciate about him is just the joy and laughter that he brings to the world, you know, and especially in a time like this, we need to be able to laugh. But he tells the story as he was quarantined and having to do things remotely, how he went to a hardware store in his area in which he lives, and as he goes in, he hears a song playing, and the song goes, Something like this. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. Anyways, so he hears that and he's like, I love this song. I don't know this song. I don't know this artist. So he pulls out his phone and he lifts his phone up with the app open called Shazam. And Shazam really tells you what song it is that you're hearing. If you don't know that song or if you're not familiar with that song. And so he finds out who the artist is. And as he's looking at that, he's like, wow, I don't know this artist. But then the guy next to him in this picture is a guy named Dad Cockrell who actually wrote the song, If I'm Going to Go Down, I'm Going to Go Down Swinging. And the day, that same day, at least the way the story's told, he actually sent a manifesto to those who manage his career and his touring and, and all this. And he said, hey, guys, because I released this album during COVID and I'm unable to tour, I've come to the conclusion that I need to go another direction with my career. And you're, you're, you're hearing that and you're like, what does that mean? Well, it meant like stop doing music and start doing hot sauce. Literally, that's what he was going to do. He was going to start making his own hot sauce and selling it. And so they get this email from Thad. And, and as they get this email from him, they're you know, reading it. And, and they decide that, you know what, we're going to call Thad. And as they're getting ready to do that, they get another email. And so they call Thad and they say, hey, Thad, we're not calling to talk to you about the manifesto. We're actually calling to talk to you about this other email that we got. We, have you heard of a guy named Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> and of course, he's heard of him. And they go on to tell him, Jimmy Fallon heard your song, and he actually wants to have you on a show 
to play the song. And as he starts hearing this, it says he starts, you know, he tells the story that he starts to cry because he's just overwhelmed. And so he goes on the Jimmy Fallon show, plays this song. Then this album starts charting very high. Uh, at one point on iTunes, the song, uh, you know, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging, was number one on iTunes. And Thad would go on to say, my story, my story is our story. Because really, it's a story of continuing to go, even when it's easy, easy to quit, because the, the odds are stacked against us, and it's really challenging. But these were defining moments for both these men because the joy that it brought Jimmy to be a part of this was, wow, I'm part of, of a story like this. And, and not only was he a part of the story like this, but then dad was able to share what his music was and, and how it brings hope and inspiration to others. And the thing you learn about that is he actually grew up in a pastor's home. Both of his brothers are pastors. And, and really you hear him in his own way describe how his faith has played a vital part and what he's done, and even where he's at currently. And as you hear that, you're like, wow, those are incredible. that's an incredible story. I hope at some point I get on the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> is that the moral of the story? No, that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is there are moments around us, like going to the hardware store, and all of a sudden there are opportunities right there that we didn't realize were opportunities. And, and we step into them. You know, there's moments like for, for Thad Cockrell to, to continue to go and and to be able to be bold enough to say, hey, I'm going to step into what it is I was put on the earth to do. Even when it means I have to shift and and move. And and then these opportunities start to emerge. And, you know, I think about that. And as I listen to that story, it, it reminds me that there are defining moments that we all have in our lives. And so the question I want us to answer today, what does it require to experience defining moments in our lives? What does it require to experiencing and to experience defining moments in our lives? What, what is the requirement of that? Because the reality is we want that. We want moments like that. We want to make the time count, not just in the sense of, hey, we want to maximize our time, but we also want to be a people who m- make memories with our time. And that when we look back, we're like, wow, I really made my time count when I was here on the earth. So what does it take to do that? Well, we hear this great story of Thad Cockrell and Jimmy Fallon, and, and that helps us to see what it looks like in, in some real time for somebody. But then we go through the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews 11 tells us about these people, these people who had these defining moments, these defining moments. They chose by faith to step in to the moment that they were given, and they made the time count. They made the time count, and it's often referred to as the Hall of Fame of Faith or the Hall of Faith or, you know, all these types of words are used to describe the different people. But one of the things that they do have in common is that they allowed their time to count. They had these defining moments and they stepped into them. And so we're going to hear over these next couple of weeks, how do we do that? What, what do we need to do in order to experience defining moments in our own lives as well? So if you have your Bibles, I want to open up with you to Hebrews chapter 11. Verses are going to be on the screen as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus today on the first six verses. But what I want to do is I want you to just get a a bit of a snapshot of the first 12 verses. So we'll read those and then we'll break back down and go back through the first six verses. Listen to what it says. It says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. And I want to just touch on this because what's interesting about Noah's story here is he did something that did not make sense to the people around him. They had never seen a flood. And yet God told him to build this ark. And as he built this ark and did what God asked him to do, he was considered an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with the faith. And he had a prophetic voice too saying, hey, there's this wickedness amongst us and we need to go to what God's calling us to. And then it goes on, it says this, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, by the way, 90 years old, okay? So just to give a little context, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And so when we hear about Abraham and Sarah, I think it's just important to mention their own faith story. God called Abraham away from his home where he lived and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to make a great nation from you. And they waited and waited and waited and waited and took matters into their own hands at times, made a, a lot of mistakes along the way. And yet in the midst of that, when Sarah was 90 and Abraham was 100, God fulfilled, fulfilled his promise. And Sarah gave birth to a son. And we start to see how this faith had a great part to play in their own journey, but also they were going to be blessed to be a blessing to others. So the nation of Israel be formed through the line of Abraham. And so we start to hear these defining moments that people are stepping into. And I think it's easy to focus in on all the characters here, but instead of doing that, what I really want to do is I want to get to the description 
that is given to help us to understand what they did because it's easy to look at them and be like, well, I, I can't have faith like that. Like, I can't be that type of person. And yet what Hebrews does is it shows us, wait a minute, it's not about who you are. It's not about who you are. It's about who you're putting your faith in and what that does to your life. Because all these people, all these people were incredible, incredible uh, people of faith, but they also had flaws as well. All of them, just like you and me. They all made mistakes. You know, we, we can think about Noah who, who at, at one point got drunk and then he, he impregnated his, his own daughters. You know, we, we think about people like Abraham who denied that Sarah was even his wife because he was afraid he was going to lose his life. You know, and, and yet in the midst of, of that moment in time, God still was with him, but then he forgot again of God's faithfulness and Sarah wasn't getting pregnant soon enough. And so he, he actually got another woman pregnant with Sarah's permission. And that led to a whole nother set of issues for them. You know, you, you think about these people and, and their characteristics of their life. And yes, faith is part of it. But part of the story for all of us is, yes, we, we need faith and we want faith. But faith also takes our flaws and puts it under something that's greater than even our own successes and mistakes. It puts it in a source that's greater than ourselves. And so this is beautiful to think about because it doesn't mention any of those mistakes. It just talks about their faith. And I think it's a picture for us in Jesus. That in Jesus, we're not known for our flaws or our mistakes, but we are known for men and women who are of faith, who are allowing him to change us, grow us, and transform us. And that is a big part of this whole series of defining moments. So let's go back through and listen to what the author of Hebrews does, because he does a great job describing what it is that faith is. Now, this isn't a definition. This is really just breaking down what it is that faith is. He says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for in assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And so one of the things you hear off the bat here is you, you hear this idea that faith is this confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So faith is saying, hey, I recognize who God is. I see God for who he is. I see him for his power, his, his might, his leadership over my life. And I'm going to not only know that intellectually, but I'm going to let that lead me to do what he asked me to do. And for example, it gives Abel, right? So Abel offers this, this better offering, this offering that pleased God, right? It says that, you know, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. And so what does that mean to us? And what does that say to us? Well, it says that Abel 
recognized, hey, God had a way he wanted something, and he did what God asked him to do. Now, his brother didn't like that, Cain, and Cain took Abel out. But that didn't negate Abel's faith. In fact, it says that it still speaks, even though he is dead. His faith still speaks. His faith is mentioned time and time again throughout the scripture. And he only takes up a little portion when you look at the actual account in Genesis. But it speaks to the the, the power and, and how faith is one of the things that speaks the loudest to the heart of God. Because faith says, hey, I have confidence in who you are so much so that I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Even when I don't get it, even when I don't understand it, I'm going to walk in a, a humble recognition of who you are. Because you're the one, you're the one who created the universe. You spoke and the universe came to be. Now, we, we can debate how that all happened, but the, the, the point of what the author of Hebrews is getting at is his voice is so powerful that when he speaks, he means what he says. When he speaks, he's able to make things happen. That when God speaks, we need to listen. And not only listen, we need to do what he asks us to do. And this is the picture that you're getting all throughout this book. Even as you look at Abel, and then we're going to see another character, Enoch. But then you see that with Noah and Abraham and Sarah and so many more here in Hebrews 11. But listen to what it goes on to say. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so what I want you to hear, first of all, we hear about Abel, this righteousness. And then we hear about this character named Enoch. And many of you may know him, but a lot of us don't know him. But his story is so fascinating because literally he walked with God to the point that God said, hey, I want to spend time with you forever. You're coming into my presence. He just took him from the earth. He took him from the earth. Enoch did not die. He did not die. And people were looking around, hey, have you seen Enoch? You know, I was supposed to have a meeting with Enoch. I don't know where he's at, you know. They're, they're asking these questions. But he lived in a way that pleased God. He lived in a way that pleased God. His faith was evident to God because he put his trust in God, did what God asked him to do. And as we think about what it is that's said here, I don't want us to miss this because it says he was, he was commended as one who pleased God And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to do that. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who, what's the word here? Earnestly. Those who earnestly, another way to say that is diligently. Those who earnestly seek him. And so as we seek him, we've got to believe that he exists, right? We got to believe that. We got to come to that, that part of faith. We got to believe when he asks us to do something, we're going to do it. But we also have to believe that he's the rewarder of those who earnestly and digitally, diligently seek him. Now, when we hear reward our faith, we often think in the, the, the culture in which we're in, as many of those in that time 
and, and beyond that if you had wealth, that meant you were being rewarded, right? Like that's kind of like, okay, you have great faith, therefore you're rewarded with a Tesla, right? <laughs> you have great faith, automatically you get a promotion. You know, you have great faith, your children are going to be great children who follow after Jesus. It's a sure thing. That's what we often hear something like that. But really what this is speaking to is it's saying, hey, first of all, God himself is the reward. First, he's the reward. And Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. And I, I don't want us to miss this because we can read a chapter like this and be like, oh, I'm not Enoch. I, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You can walk with God. You can walk with him in a way that pleases God, in a way that knows him and seeks him and comes after him earnestly. And the reward is, first of all, him, God himself. But the second part of that is that there's a reward with doing life as he calls us to do it. Because he's the creator and designer, right, of the universe. We've talked about that, right? But he's also the designer and creator of our lives. And he knows what's best. So when we, we seek him and we live out what he asks for us, there is this reward that is ours, first and foremost, which is him. But there's this peace that's ours. There's this joy that's ours. There's this hope that's ours. There's this reward that we understand as we look at how he sees the world that impacts how we handle things like our finances. And there is a reward in that. That doesn't mean I'm telling you how much money you're going to make or or get, but it's going to change the way you view your resources and how you're going to steward them and and how you're going to look at what you're going to do. That's why, you know, I'm not going to finance a Tesla. You know, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I like Teslas, but I'm not going to finance a Tesla. What's influencing me? Well, wisdom is, and, and beyond that, I don't have the money for a Tesla, right? You know, but God says, hey, these are boundaries in our lives. When we walk in his ways in our relationships, you know, with our friends and our, and our spouses and our children, there is a reward. We do develop trust. We do, feel, we do develop deep intimacy and connection. That is a reward. That is a reward that comes for those who earnestly seek him and walk in his ways. And we get to experience that. But I want you to hear, again, Abel was counted as righteous. Enoch pleased God. And I want you to know in Jesus, our faith in him is accounted to us righteousness in the pleasure of God. Through Jesus, what he would do for us, by faith in him, by walking with him, his righteousness is our righteousness. The good pleasure that our heavenly father takes in him and then the pleasure and delight that Jesus takes in us is ours as well. They're added to our account and it happens by faith, by faith. So as we think about that, as we look at these first six verses, I want to give us a couple of things to help us to understand, again, what we're reading. And first is the the descriptions of faith. And this is my uh, attempt to to help in a succinct way describe some of the things that the author of Hebrews says here in the first six six verses. First is this, that faith is confident assurance in God to do what he asks, even when even when we don't fully understand why or know the outcomes. So faith is a confident assurance in God to do what he asks, even when we don't fully understand why or know the outcome. So we think about that with Abel. The offerings probably didn't fully make sense, but this is the type of offering that he wanted, right? This is the kind of offering that he was asking Abel to bring. 
You know, Enoch, walking with God. There are probably times, it doesn't give us a lot of description about his life, that God asked him to do things that were like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense to me. But I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still do it. Even when I don't understand why, or even when I don't know the outcomes. You know, Noah as well, right? Noah built an ark. It did not make sense. (laughs) It did not make sense in a logical way. But he chose to do it anyways, because God asked him to do it. It's the confident assurance and who God is, who God is, and to do what he asked us to do, and to do what he asked us to do, even when we don't understand why or know the outcome. The second part of this is faith is understanding that God formed the world at his command. And why do I say it that way? Well, I say it that way because I want us to get the sure power of who God is, the magnitude of when he speaks, things happen. And this is what the author Hebrew says, that we've got to believe that he created the world from that which was invisible. He made visible. He was the one that did it. He's the source of that. He's the one that has allowed that to happen. And it speaks to his power, but also speaks to his authority. His authority. That when he speaks, we not only say, oh, it's great to hear you, but we need to listen and we need to do what he asks us to do. Again, faith is understanding that God formed the world at his command. And it says, again, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so we know it's impossible to please God, to please God without coming to him through faith. And then the other part is this, that faith looks like faithfulness, which leads to fruitfulness. Faith looks like faithfulness, which leads to fruitfulness. And, and what's beautiful about this, and what's so important that we do not miss in the midst of our own lives, is that faith, again, isn't about the, the person per se. It's about the, the object in which they're putting their trust and confidence in, first of all. So anybody and everybody can be a person of faith. It doesn't matter if you're optimistic kind of personality because you can be optimistic and still not have true faith, right? It's this confident assurance. It's this confident assurance of of who God is and what he's able to do. You can be a pessimistic person and still have great faith. But the thing I don't want us to miss is that faith looks like faithfulness. It looks like showing up again and again and doing what God asks us to do. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we can't be assured of the full-on outcomes. And so we want to stay faithful. We want to have, as Eugene Peterson says, long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction, which leads to fruitfulness. We're going to see this fruitfulness in our own lives. And as we see this fruitfulness in our own lives, we're not sure of how much fruit's going to come. We're not responsible for that. But we are responsible for, first of all, our faith. What are we putting our faith in? Who are we putting our faith in? Is it, are we putting it in Jesus and who he is and what he says of us? It's so easy to put it in something lesser. But then it looks like this, this faithfulness. I'm going to do it again and again and again and again. Whatever you ask of me to do, how you ask me to do it, and when you ask me to do it. I'm going to do that. And then it's going to lead to fruitfulness. And so I want to ask you this question. What are your faith stories? What are the ways, as you would recount your own life, you've watched God show up again and again and again and again? What are those stories that 
he asked you to do something and you're like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. Or, or you stepped out in confidence when he asked you to, to step out. And you could look back and say, wow, I didn't know it was going to go that way, but I can clearly see. I can clearly see your hand in that. Some of us, our faith story looks like this. Hey, I took a step towards sobriety. And as I took a step towards sobriety, I watched God meet me and show up in a big way. Some of us, our story is, hey, I said no to an opportunity. I said no to an opportunity because God had something else for me to focus on. The timing wasn't right or it wasn't the right opportunity. And I trusted him and he met me. He met me in the midst of that. Uh, Some of us, it's going to be these stories where we look back and we're like, wow, I didn't know it was going to go this way, but by faith, I watched you show up. I I think back to even leaving the Atlanta area and, and then moving to the Lehigh Valley. And by faith, God asked me to trust him to start Riverbend Community Church with a group of people. And it's not a perfect church by any means. But looking back, I can see his hand. I can see how he showed up. I, I can see how he used even those moments of my own personal weakness and insecurity and mistakes and the things I didn't think I had and, and this doubts that would, would uh, plague my own heart and mind. But to let my faith even lead me through to be a faithful person to what God was asking me to and how it would lead to fruitfulness. You know, I, I think about that when I, when I look at people like my, my good friend, Pastor Chris, and I look at the man of God he's become. And many of you don't know his full-on story, but it was incredible to watch how God over these last several years has taken him from a guy who was working at Best Buy, then Target, then joining our staff team, a guy that we got to baptize here at Riverbend, and, and now he's a disciple maker. And, and to watch his own faith, and these are the type of stories I hold on to, and that's only one story. There, there are other people, there are several people within our own church where I look back and I'm like, wow, God, you took my faith story and expanded it to other people's faith story. And I just love that. I love how God does that. So what are your faith stories? And how is your faith story reading currently? What is it reading right now? Where, where are you saying, God, I need you to show up here? You know, for me, in a very real way, it's with my son, Ray. I mean, I love my boy so much. But he has a lot of learning uh, differences. Another way to say that is learning disabilities, delays. And you know, a lot of times it can get really challenging because he doesn't understand fully. He doesn't always get it. And I myself have learning differences so I can empathize with him. I understand the struggle. And it's the discernment of, hey, you don't fully get it. And I want to be patient with you till when I do need to, in a loving way, lead him towards something that I know he doesn't necessarily want to do and, and to have that wisdom. And, and so I've been just uh, praying before God, God, I love my son so much. Show me how to father him as you father me. In faith, I'm asking you to do that. In faith, I'm asking you to help me when he has a hard time sleeping and it leads to uh, the days starting like at 3.30 in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. By faith, I believe you're gonna give me the grace. Because a lot of times what we hear is when we hear he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, we think that all of a sudden all the circumstances are going to be incredible. (laughs) And they're not always going to be incredible, but God is always incredible, right? And he gave me this incredible gift 
with my son, because that's another story of faith for Amy and I. When we battled through infertility, and my son's about to turn five years old at the end of March. I mean, God showed up in that. But in the midst of that, he had a lot of things that came up, procedures that he had to have done, you know, different different surgeries. And, and now he has these learning delays and disabilities and, and learning differences and, and all these things. But one of the things that God is teaching me about that is to seek his face, to walk with him as Enoch did, to know that he may not shake the storm away, but he always sends the sustaining grace to keep me anchored to him, as the book of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews 6, 19. And we see that with these people. We're getting a snapshot of their life. We're kind of getting the Instagram version of their lives here in Hebrews 11. But if you look back through, you watch how God did that for them as well. So how is your faith story reading currently? And then the second part is this. How do you want your story of faith to read? How do you want it to read? Not how is it reading currently alone, but what would you like to be said about the type of faith that you had? You know, Hebrews 11 gives us the model to which we should pursue when it comes to our own faith stories. But I think it's an important question because God wants to take us deeper. He wants us to leave the shallow places of our lives. And I think it's so easy to settle for a kiddie pool Christianity and to stay where we're comfortable in what we know. But we know that the good stuff happens when we come to the deep with him. Because that means we need to look to him. That means we need to seek him and let him meet us in moments of our own vulnerabilities and weaknesses and struggles and things that are hard for us. Where is it in your life that he's trying to take you to the deep side of the pool? And you're just content with a kiddie pool, right? You're, you're content staying with what you are comfortable with and what you know. Because God wants to take you deeper. He wants you to experience what it is that Abel and Enoch experienced. This, this righteous way of living. This walking with God as Enoch walked with him and he pleased God. He wants you to experience the pleasure that's found in him and through him. And, and as you walk with him, the delight of living life with him and through him. But we won't ever get there if we stay at the kiddie pool. We won't. Like, I won't get there if I just continue to wish Ray was different, wish things would go away with Ray, wish, you know, you fill in the blank, right? And there are moments where I have that, where I'm like, man, this is really frustrating, this is really hard, and this is really challenging. And my Heavenly Father is just saying, hey, Jesus is your anchor. He's your anchor in it. Hey, we're going to do it together. Let's go in the deep water together. Come on. I know it's not always easy, but it'll be fun <laughs> if you keep your eyes on me because these are the defining moments in our lives. These are the, the moments where we're making the time count. And you know what? My son, Ray, he's going to look back at that moment in his life and thank me and thank his mom for going to the deep with his heavenly father on behalf of him. And I get to give him a, a gospel education, son, that's the Father's love in me, in me, and for me, to you. This is what Jesus has done for me, and this is what I want to do for you. And, and it makes sense when it's our own children. But my, my bigger point in this is whatever it is in our own lives that we're feeling out of sorts and we're in the deep, I want you to know Jesus is right there. He's right there. So how do you want your story of faith to read? How do you want it to read? How do you want others to 
Remember how you walked by faith. How do you want your faith to impact your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers? You, you fill in the blank. You know, you, the people at Starbucks, the, the people you work out with at the gym. How do you want your faith story to read and influence those around you? And a simple prayer that helps us to do that, a simple prayer that helps us to do that is this prayer that I've been praying often in my own life. And it's a prayer that God has just put in my own heart that simply reads this way. It says, Heavenly Father, increase my faith, faithfulness, and fruitfulness. Heavenly Father, increase my faith, faithfulness, and fruitfulness. And as we pray that, I really believe this is a type of prayer that pleases God. And I believe He will do that. I will believe He will increase our faith, our faithfulness, and our fruitfulness as we come after him, as we walk with him, as Enoch walked with him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity to gather. And we're just so thankful for the good gift that's found in you. Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith, our faithfulness, and our fruitfulness. I pray we would join you in the deep side of the pool of faith, God, that we wouldn't Stay stagnant, as the, the, the book of Hebrew talks about. It's, it's the, the, these Hebrew Christians were getting stagnant and stale and drifting away. We don't want to drift away. We want to come after you with all that we are. And Lord, we, we just thank you that you're our confident assurance. We thank you that in your, your voice, that there's power. That there's power in what you say and what you speak. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the the rewarder are those who diligently come after you and seek you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.